0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're here, part two of our series called 9 to 5. I think it is huge and probably hugely overlooked that we don't talk enough about work because you spend most of your time at work. I don't know if you know that or not, but you figure like cut out sleep, right? And then you think about your adult hours. Most of your adult hours that you're not sleeping is at work. Roughly about 40% of that time is at work. And so that's a really big deal. And many of us don't work in occupations where we think, I'm doing kingdom work, or I'm doing work for the Lord, or I'm doing whatever. And sometimes we look at our work and it's a grind. Sometimes we use words like hump day. (laughs) Is there, it's just the st- I, I'm amazed when I go on Facebook at the amount of posts that are done on Friday about like, thank God I'm out of here. You're like staring at the wall, longing for the sweet relief of five o'clock so you can go hit that door. And so I find you so many people, I, I don't feel that way, but I know that I, I kind of have a different work job thing. So, but so many people struggle with their work. And I just thought, man, God needs to, ha- needs to speak into this somehow. And so God, what does your word say? about this thing called work and career and occupation and all that. And so if you were not here last week, you really need to go get online or go watch the podcast or the YouTube or the whatever. Uh, But here's why. It's because if you miss last week, there's two big, huge ideas. And I'll just remind you what they were, that if you miss those, nothing else matters. If you miss those, everything's a waste. And it's this, it's that ultimately you have to see that God created you for work, you're designed for work. Long before sin was in the Garden of Eden, he was up there working. Adam was already put, as a matter of fact, remember he said that he put him in the garden to work it. And so that's what you were designed to do even before sin entered your heart or mind is you're designed for work and God takes pleasure when you work well. And what we, what we built on was this, is that really, really the way that you work well is you have to make a paradigm shift. Because most of us think we're working for that company, we're working for that boss, We're working for that paycheck. Maybe we own our own company and we think we're working for our own selves. And all of those create problems. And what the Apostle Paul said was, is that you've got to make a paradigm shift. If you're going to follow Christ, you actually want to look at it like this. That when I go to my J-O-B, I am actually working as unto the Lord. And then he later just doubles down and says, No, you just, just flat out, you're working for Jesus. Okay, that's the way it is. And what would it look like if you went to work and you weren't working for that awful boss or you weren't working with those terrible co workers? Or maybe you love your job, but even then, you could go and say, What would it look like? And I had somebody come up to me early this morning and say, Pastor, I did it. I went to work and I began to ask myself, What would it look like today if I was working as unto the Lord? And that changes everything. So, Today, though, we jump forward because I actually think that there's this incredible story. When you, when you just take a step back from the Bible and you say, is there a story in the Bible about career and job and occupation? And specifically this thing that I want to talk about, because if God delights when you work well, and if you work as unto the Lord, I actually think that God wants to promote you. But I think that you and I many times are probably the biggest hindrance to our own promotability. Does that make sense? And no, that's not a word. So so today I want to talk to you about what it looks like to be promotable. Like what, what is promotability? Because there's this incredible story in the Bible about this guy who gets promoted. And we all love like a great like rags to riches story. This isn't rag to riches. This is riches to rags to riches. And this is from like, you know, rich to, oh dear God, take my life to... How in the world did I get here? It's an incredible story, and it's found in the book of Genesis. And most of the time, when I would tell you about this story, it's the story of a life and the life of a person named Joseph. Right? I say Joseph. So Joseph, and there's all kinds of ways to look at this story. It's a big family drama. There's all kinds of weird things going on. There's incredible biblical insight. There's like national ramifications for Israel, for Egypt, for the future. I mean, there's so many things. But at the end of the day, one of the ways that you can look at it is simply this. There's a guy who went from slave to prime minister of the largest kingdom then at the time in one lifespan. And how in the world did he do it? So this is how the story goes. I'll give you like a brief summary, and then I want to dive into some specific things that he did and that he was that allowed him to be promoted. But here's the, here's the, basic, the basic gist of it. So there's this guy named Jacob, and he has 12 kids. And when he's got this one kid named Joseph that he favors above all the other kids— How many know that doesn't do good? That's bad parenting. This is free information. If you're a parent out there, it's bad if you got like five kids to pick one and say, you're my favorite. You're better than those other four. That's bad. Okay. It's bad because your other kids are going to hate you. And then your other kids are going to hate that kid. So don't do that. And if you feel that way, just lie. Okay. So, so just love them all. Okay. Just at least make them believe you love them all the same. And you ought to, by the way, but, but, that's, so what happens was is that Jacob picks the one kid, his youngest kid, is like, oh, you're my favorite. And he gives him like a special coat. It's called the coat of many colors. And, and you know, again, this does not fly well at Hanukkah, right? They're like no, Nobody's happy about this thing. And so the brothers decide, they come up with this brilliant plan. This is what we're going to do. Their plan, we're going to kill him. That's the plan. And so, like, see, you thought if your family was dysfunctional, it's not as bad now, right? Anytime you compare your family to this family, I will, none of my siblings have tried to kill me yet, so... Uh, we're better than they are. So, so this story unfolds though, is as they go to kill him, one of the brothers is like, wait a minute, maybe this is kind of bad. Maybe we shouldn't kill our own brother. This is we'll just sell him. So they sell him to a band of gypsies. So like literally these gypsies are traveling down to Egypt and they're like, hey, let's just sell him. We'll at least make some money. If he's dead, we get nothing. So um, they sell him and he goes down to Egypt and becomes a slave in the house of a guy named Potiphar. I say Potiphar. Now, he's a key player here. So, Potiphar is just this guy. He's like, he's a, a royal official. He's in, well into the whole government of Egypt. He's a, he's a high ranking official. And so, Potiphar puts him in as a slave. But, like, what's incredible is, is that this young kid named Joseph starts working his way up the ranks. He gets promoted inside of this big, huge kind of family dynamic in Potiphar's family and in his, in his little Potiphar kingdom. So, as Joseph gets elevated, something bad get, happens eventually he gets thrown into, he gets lied about, and then he gets thrown into prison. Well, this is what's crazy too. He starts working his way up the prison. As a prisoner, he works his way up to a point that the guy that runs the prison just says, "Hey, I'm going to put you in charge. You run the whole thing. You know, the whole thing about don't let the prisons run the, that happened. They let the prisoner run the, anyway. So, so, so what happened was, is that Joseph had this ability, this God-given ability to interpret dreams. And so one day, Pharaoh, the, the, the head dude of Egypt, he has this dream and it just torments him that he can't figure. And he calls all of his brilliant you know, people around and says, hey, can you interpret this? Nobody can interpret this dream. And so somebody finally remembers Joseph. They're like, hey, hey, hey I met this guy in prison once, right? And then that's a great way to like tell a story, right? This one time I met this guy in prison. No? Okay. So... If you, if you ever tell a story like that, you've lived a life, right? That's, that's what that, okay. so, so one of the guys, though, is like, hey, I met this guy in prison. And he goes, this guy can interpret dreams. So this, they go bring Joseph out, and he interprets the dream. And then again, he's, he's before Pharaoh, and eventually pre, uh, Pharaoh promotes him up the ladder to where he is running all of Egypt underneath Pharaoh. It's the most unbelievable, incredible story. Now, how many know that? that's what we call a promotion, right? You're just trying to get, like, you know, from from... Fry to the window, right? I had a a conversation when we were talking about like bad jobs that we had. We were talking about, was it just Taco Bell? And I was like, it was a big deal to not have to do this. You had to move from this to the... Anyway, but that's, sometimes that's the promotion you're dreaming of. You're just trying to get that next level up. This guy went from slave to prime minister. It was unbelievable, but hidden in this story of promotion are all these kind of keys and principles and nuggets that I want to share with you, because here's what I know about you. You want, well, most of you, some of you are like, no, no, it's cool. Right where I'm at. Don't give me any more responsibility. I'm done. Okay. But most of you, most of you are like, no, I want more. I believe God has more for me. I think God could do more in me and through me. I think God could use me in bigger ways. I think I could make a bigger kingdom impact, a bigger kingdom difference. I think most of us would sit back and say, I'd like to make more money or have more influence or uploads, whatever it is. And so I just believe that most of you have this idea of like, I want God to do something great in me. I want God to promote me. And here today, we will cover what I think are the six keys to promotability. Are you ready? So here we go. If you have your Bible, you can open up and kind of follow along with the story if you'd like. But there's this incredible story going on. It starts in Genesis chapter 37. And this is the way that the story actually begins. I want you to see this. is that Joseph had a dream. This is Genesis 37 verse 5. Joseph had a dream, but when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Do you know what that phrase means? They already hated him. Now they just hate him more, Right? And so when he told his father, as he had told his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? But what I want you to see is this, is that he has, and he begins his life with what we would call audacity. Everybody say audacity. Like God gives him a dream. Now he's a teenager, but he's been given this dream and it's a dream of greatness. He's not sure exactly how it's going to unfold. It's a little bit vague, but in his dream, he's standing and everyone else is bowing. Now, don't go tell your family that if that's the dream that you have. So one of the big principles of this dream is this, is that yes, you want to have audacity and you need to have some level of godly ambition. You need to have drive, determination. You need to aspire to. You want some boldness. You want some risk taking. By the way, just just a thought, if there is no risk involved, there is no faith. Have you ever thought about that before? If there is no risk in your life, there is no faith. That's just what we call certainty. Like if you just know how it's going to work out, that's called certainty. That's not called faith. Faith requires risk. And so Joseph has this dream. And one of the things that you need to be careful of is this, is when you have that godly ambition, when you say, God, I want you to use me to do great things. God, I want to be able to make a kingdom difference on my workplace. That's why I want that in my life. You need to be careful who you share that with. Does that make sense? Because everybody out there is going to fall into that category of like, some people are going to despise your ambition. Some people are going to hate on you. Some people are going to discourage. You ever share your, your dreams with people sometimes? And then just poo-poo right all over your dreams? That's the worst. You're like all excited and you're like, well, have you thought about this? Well, I don't think that's going to work out. Why do they I don't even know what to say after I'm like, man, you're so bummed. You're so discouraged. You're like, well, thanks a lot. I guess I'll just go and go back to work and fries. So The the point is that you be careful who you share. Share your dreams with encouragers. Share your dreams with people of faith. Share your dreams with people who believe in you. But bless God, dream, have some audacity. This is the way I would describe audacity. Audacity is just the courage to, to think big, to show initiative, to take risk for a dream while facing the possibility of failure. And if you want to be promoted in life, somewhere in you there needs to be some godly ambition, some audacity, something in you that has some drive and determination. Now, the story continues, and this is what it goes on to say. After he gets um, sold by his brothers, which is really mean. That's way worse than getting thrown in the closet and the door shut on you and you're in the dark. Like, that's what our brothers did to us, maybe. This is worse. They sold him into slavery. So he goes down to Egypt, but again, he begins to work his way up the slave ladder. Listen to what it says. This is number two here. It comes out of this. The Bible says in Genesis 39, it says that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. That's Potiphar. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph, everybody say found favor. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. This idea of found favor, depending on what version or Bible translation, it just means he liked him. It's like, I like this guy. The second key to promotability is likability. This is huge. I used to, I think, underestimate this principle. And the older I get, the more important this thing becomes. That likability is so important because you, given, if if we just set you amongst a bunch of equals, if your application looks the same and your job performance looks the same, you know what elevates you above the crowd? Likability. Now, I'm not saying go and be likable to a point of compromising integrity or character or any of those things. I'm just saying, no, Be friendly, be likable. I remember a pastor gave me this bit of advice. He said, Todd, never hire anybody that you wouldn't be willing to go on vacation with. He said, because you're going to have to work with them in close proximity. And it's basically the same. And if you can't go on vacation with them, you do not want to hire them because it will be a drain on you to have to be around these people. And so Joseph had incredible likability. The fact that God favored him, the fact of who he was, there was something about him. And, and just so you know too, this is a biblical principle and I'll prove it to you. You ever read the stories of Jesus? When he hung out with the religious people that usually got mad at him and yet he would go hang out with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners and all kinds of other crazy folk. They loved him. They thought he was awesome. They were like, hey, will you come have dinner at my house? You ever notice how sometimes the more religious you get, sometimes the more staunch or just unkind or like just harsh in your tone, like all these different little, and I'm telling you, you ought to be the opposite. Go look at Jesus because people that were nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus. He was the one they wanted to invite to dinner. It was a really big deal to hang. They enjoyed the presence and the company of Jesus. Think about this. When you read Galatians and the Apostle Paul is teaching you what's called the fruit of the Spirit. You ever think about this? The fruit of the Spirit, meaning the byproduct of being in the presence of God. You know what it is? Love, joy, peace, patience kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-care, like all these incredible traits. You know what they are? You know what being in the presence of God ought to make you? Incredibly likable. Like, oh my gosh, because you ever work with people that just get up on your nerves? You ever have that one guy that you avoid walking by his office or by his cubicle? You ever see that person coming your way and you immediately dart in the other direction? What is that? We're all laughing because we have, and if you don't know somebody like that, But what I'm telling you is that if you're a Christ follower, you ought to be incredibly likable. You ought to be incredibly loving and kind and patient and, and encouraging and all these things. And that makes you incredibly likable. Have you ever enjoyed being around somebody that was really arrogant? No, they get up on your nerves. You enjoy people who are humble. You ever enjoy people who are like just indifferent and don't care? No, you enjoy people who are empathetic and are, are care. Here, here's, a, here's a huge thought. This is just to help you be more likable. To be more likable, you need to like people. Not be like them. You have to like people. If you want to be likable, you have to like people. Like you can't, if if you're one of those people that hate people, you're not likable. You have to actually like people. There's that old saying that if you want to be interesting, you have to be interested. Like you have to be interested in people. You have to like people. You have to want to engage with people. And I'm just telling you that as a Christ follower, there ought to be something in you that says, no, I like and enjoy engaging with people. I like getting to know people. I want to find out more about them. And I'm going to use that for kingdom purposes. But you need to be this incredible light and warmth that people are attracted to. And that's the idea of likability. Now here's the definition of likability. Likeability is just possessing the attractive attitudes and relational skills that cause others to want to work with me. And that's what I want for you because this is what Joseph had. There was something about him. You just got around him. Jesus had the same quality. You just got around him. You're like, man, I just want to talk to this guy. I like this guy. I want to invite this guy over. I want to promote this guy because again, given amongst equals, and you know this to be true, That if you had a group of people and if you were a manager and you had to hire somebody or make sure that somebody was having to work in close proximity, you would make sure that you hired the person that you liked the most. Sometimes we call it like favoritism in the workplace. But really, for the most part, that's likability and it matters. You take two, three equally smart people, equally competent people, you know who's getting elevated? The most likable and enjoyable. Let's keep going. Number three is this. Um, The story continues on. And Potiphar continues to elevate this guy. Listen to what it says next. Genesis 39, 4 It says this. Potiphar goes on to put him in charge of the entire household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. I want you to think about this. This guy had a huge amount of estate and wealth and influence. And he had a ton going on. This is a wealthy guy by everything scripture indicates. So He gives this all over to this slave kid named Joseph. And check this out, from the time that he put Joseph in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Now, I'm just going to take a little theological pause here, okay? One of the questions you want to ask yourself is this, is my company blessed because I'm there? Is my company blessed because I'm there? Because I want you to see something. Uh, Potiphar was a pagan. I don't know if you know this now, but if you grew up in Egypt, Pharaoh's a God, the son's a God, and Nile's a God. We worship frogs and all kinds of weird stuff. We're just pagans, right? Does that make sense? And the Bible says that God blessed the pagan because Joseph was there. Does that make sense? Like, there's just something there. Like, you ought to be a blessing to your company, even though you and I both know that the boss is crazy. <laughs> like, it, it, it doesn't even matter. Your presence should attract blessing. Let's keep reading. So it says that the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potter had, both in the house and in the field. Everything. I want you to see this, is that Joseph had something that I'll call capacity. Everybody say capacity. We might say something like potential, but like he was filling that potential. Potential is what could be but has not yet become. Capacity, well, let's just read the definition. The definition of capacity is this. It's the desire to keep learning so that I can increase in competence and handle greater responsibility. Like that's what you wanna have about you. You wanna have a high capacity. You wanna have a high ceiling. You wanna have tons of potential and you want to be actually developing that potential. It's not enough that you ride out your talent. Does that make sense? Some of y'all are talented. You ride out your talent. You kind of coast on your talent. And what I'm saying is is that you've got a higher ceiling, but you have to develop it. One of the best questions you can ask yourself is this. What am I working on right now? Where am I growing? Where am I learning? Where am I being stretched? If I sat down and had a one-on-one talk with you and I said, hey, in the last six, nine months, where have you grown? If you can't answer that question, what that indicates is that I'm not consciously and purposefully trying to grow in any one area. We ought to have something where you step back and say, you know what, I've really grown here. I've really been working on this. I've been... Why? Because we're trying to increase our capacity. We're trying to take on more. We're trying to do more. Again, when you think about this, what in the world? Because after this, he gets thrown in prison. I want you to think about this. He's thrown in prison, and this kid has so much likability, and so much capacity and so much talent and ability that he's developed that they eventually recognize this kid can just run the prison? Who does that? Like, we'll, we'll let the prisoner just run everything. You, and I think at one point in time, he ends up being the prime minister of Egypt, right? Where do you think he got all those management skills? Because if you can manage a bunch of slaves, because they don't want to be there, and you can manage a bunch of prisoners, and they don't want to be there, if you can manage people like that, you can do anything. This kid had capacity. This kid was growing and learning and developing his potential and developing those management skills. He was high capacity. Number four is this. um, Or did I give you the definition of capacity? I did. Okay, let's keep going. So number four is this. Everybody say reliability reliability. Reliability is number four. Reliability is this. It is earning the trust of others by always keeping my promises and fulfilling my responsibilities, even if it requires sacrifice. You want to be incredibly reliable. As a matter of fact, you want to be so dependable. You want to be the go-to person on any team that they say, hey, look, who's going to come through in the pinch? Who's going to handle it? Who's going to step up? Who's going to show up? Who's going to be able to handle all that stuff? You want to be that person. And I'll show you how this is true in Joseph. Let's read Genesis chapter 39. It says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. He was on a paleo diet and was a crossfitter before people did that. So Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. Mm -hmm. And she was this desperate housewife. I think the husband was really busy and important and was gone a lot. And Joseph's there all the time and he's good looking. So she says, it's not a real good line. It's pretty straightforward. Come to bed with me. But he refused Oh, I skipped one I'm so sorry Hey, can we go, can we go back? I totally skipped one I made a mistake <sighs> Yep, there we go Hey, forget everything I just said He's <laughs> doing it up. I started reading the scripture for the next point Not this one But that, you can't wait to get to that one Because you're like, dang, how does that go down? No, 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 don't even, we don't even need this point I'll I'll make this fast. Okay, so this... Remember we said reliability? This is reliability. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. This is how reliable this kid was. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Man, you know how trustworthy you have to be? Reliable, dependable. I mean, like, literally, can you imagine... Like, you go up to this guy who runs a business and has his own, you know, kind of thing going on, and you're like, hey, man, you know, how's business? How's everything going? I think it's all right. I think it's pretty good. Well, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I mean, everything seems to be running smoothly. Well, what do you, you think you're stressed about? No, 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 well, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to eat today. I don't know if I'll have a ham or a turkey sandwich. I, that's, that's really all I think about at this point in time. Joseph runs everything. The only thing I do, I do soup, sandwich. I'll do both. I'll do a half sandwich and a cup of soup. I, I don't even care, I don't, I don't know, what, what, what are you in the mood for? You know, like, that's the type of stress level that this guy had. And I'm telling you, listen, listen carefully. If you want to be promoted, there is something huge about taking weight off of your boss. Hey, hey here, here's a quick little thought here. One of the easiest ways to get promoted is to get your boss promoted. Because if you get your boss promoted, you take his job. You ever think about that? Like just the little ideas, like you want to get promoted, and one of the best ways that you can do it is by getting this incredible trait like capacity and likability and reliability. And here here's one of the things you need to think about when we talk about promotion real quick here is that you don't get promoted. I'm gonna wreck somebody's like workplace thinking real quick here. You don't get promoted based on past performance. That's like a big mistake you make. And so many people get angry in the workplace. Because they're like, well, I've been working here twenty years and I've never gotten that promotion. There's a reason why. You don't get you don't get promoted based on past performance. You get promoted based on future promise. The only reason to promote you is because they see more in your future than they do in your past. Even if your past is great, the question is this, is do they have future promise? And so again, you need all these traits so that you can actually get promoted in life. Because, and this is just what I believe, and I believe you'll see this through the life and story of Joseph. That God uses his promotion to bring about kingdom causes. And I believe God wants to use your promotion to bring about a kingdom cause. And I don't know what that is. That's for you and the Holy Spirit to figure out. But God wants to use you to do more, to expand your reach, to expand your influence, and to do great things through you. But to do that, you need some reliability. Number next is this. We're on number five now. And this is where I skipped and we get into the juicy story. You guys want to go back to the juicy part? Let's go back there. So number five is this. Everybody say loyalty. And you're like, wait, Todd, you just bummed out the story. Now we know that it didn't shake down like the soap opera did. But loyalty is this incredible trait. I'm telling you, and, and loyalty is a shrinking attribute in our current society. There's so much mobility. Nobody cares. It's a dog-eat-dog world. I'm gonna get mine. I'm not loyal to you for nothing. But I'm telling you, when your boss sees loyalty, they're more apt to say, okay, this guy rolled with me through the hard times. This guy stuck with me even when it didn't look good. This person was loyal when they could have left for this. This person, again, has that promotable trait. And loyalty is this. Loyalty is being faithful to my boss and to God when, it, when difficulty tests my commitment. So do you have that thing when you think about you on your workplace, in your job, around those coworkers and with your boss, do you got these qualities? Like, no, no, I'm loyal. You know one of the biggest ways that we lose loyalty? One of the biggest ways that we lose loyalty in the workplace is through gossip. There's something about like the scuttlebutt, the water fountain, talking it up. Gossip, I just want you to know, and I want to prepare you for this, Gossip's not just something bad in the workplace. Gossip is something bad in your heart and bad before God. Like, if you ever go read the Bible and look up all the scriptures about gossip, God hates gossip. <laughs> like, that, 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 you know, not, there's not a lot of things God hates. Like, you'll look at all the things that God, God hates gossip. Now, we pick on a lot of sins really, really hard. We are not usually coming down too hard on gossip, and yet the Bible says God hates it. And there's all these reasons why, but I want you to think about it now in the, in the context of your workplace. W- gossip destroys Loyalty, like, I can't trust you anymore if, if you're gossip. Because here, here's what you need to know. You ever, you ever been around a person that just gossips constantly? When they're not around and you're not around them, what's always in the back of your mind? Man, they're talking about you now. Like, anybody that gossips, I promise, when you're not around, they're talking about you. And when you're the person that is the gossip, do you know what they're afraid of when they're not with you? They're afraid that you're talking about them, and you probably are. And so you have no trust, and I'm telling you, you have no loyalty. And you have well, the, One of the best things that you can do is just be a person of loyalty. Be a person that shuts down gossip, that avoids it, that doesn't listen to it and engage in it, and certainly doesn't dish it. I'm just telling you that on your job site, you need some loyalty. But this is how Joseph displayed loyalty. So the Bible says this, and this is the good part, the juicy part. He's well built and handsome, and after a while, his master took notice of Joseph and said... Come to bed with me. But he, what? He refused. And he goes, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care and no one is greater in this house than I am. My master's withheld nothing from me except for you because, hello, you're his wife. (laughs) How? How? then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? This guy had loyalty. This guy recognized. No, no, no. You, if you want to get promoted, you don't do this to the boss. Are you hearing me? And it sounds so common sense. But again, when you think about your uh, reputation in the workplace, are you seeing, again, high capacity? That guy's a dreamer. He's a doer. He's a go-getter. He's got incredible reliability and dependability. Everybody is attracted to him and drawn to him. And this guy is just flat out loyal. He is a good dude. You know he's good. just some incredible qualities. Lastly is this. This is number six. Number six. Everybody say integrity. Integrity is this. This is the definition. It's practicing in secret the values and beliefs I claim to hold in public. Yeah, are you an integrous person? Like, I and mean, then the bottom line is, is we want to know, is what I see, what I get? Are you going to continuously do the right thing just because it's the right thing, regardless of the circumstances? Well, you, because the, the root word for, for integrity is integer, just, which means like whole number, right? Math people, nerdy math people? Hello? Okay. <laughs> integer means whole number. If you like didn't get that in fifth grade, you're like, oh, that's what that meant. So don't worry, I did that too. I'm, anyway. So, but my point is this my point is, is that your, your, your life has a wholeness to it. There's not duplicity. You ever met somebody and you like, wow, they're real two faced. They act one way here and then another way here. They're, they're, they're two faced, they're duplicitous. Um, in, in, in an American culture right now, you're, you're seeing like incredible um, displays of duplicity in our politicians, in our athletes, in actors and producers. You're like, dang. It is all ugly and messy and nasty because these people portrayed themselves to be one way and behind closed doors, they were actually something different. What is that? That's a lack of integrity. And you know what Joseph was? Joseph was, no, 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 I'm the same. No matter what, no matter where, listen to what the Bible says here. This is Genesis 39, verse 10. It says, the and though she spoke to Joseph day after day. So remember, we read just a few verses ago. She's hitting on him. Ain't nobody around. He's good looking. She probably is too. And then he's like, no, I refuse. But like it didn't stop there. She wasn't like, oh, okay. I'll go into the next pool boy. No, no, no. It kept going. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he continued. He refused to go to bed with her. Or even listen. Or even be with her. Meaning, like, he recognized that this woman is tripping. This girl is crazy. And I need to create boundaries. There are certain environments I can't be in. There's certain places that I can't go. There's certain people that I shouldn't associate myself with because if I do, I know I'm across a line. And Joseph established earlier, we even talked about this weeks ago, but Joseph here establishes a boundary. And the boundary was simply this, I should not be alone with this woman. Well, funny enough, the way that this story goes down is that she tricks him. She gets him alone when no one else is around And then she's like, lie with me. And he's like, no, no, I'm out of here. And so she grabs his coat and he runs away, but she's got the coat. And so she turns and flips into psycho girl, screams bloody murder. He tried to take advantage of me. He tried to do this. He tried to do this. And so Potiphar stuck because Potiphar knows his wife is crazy, but he has to save face. So instead of killing Joseph, which is what they would have normally done, they just had him thrown in prison. But again, Joseph Somehow, through his likability, through his capacity, his reliability, his loyalty, his integrity, his audacity, through all these things, he works his way up the rank and then he eventually finds himself interpreting the dream of Pharaoh and finding himself eventually sitting as the prime minister of the greatest nation at the time. It's an incredible story of promotability. So here's the questions I have for you today. Here's the thought. When it comes to audacity, here's the question you need to ask yourself. Where do I need to step out in faith? Like some of you like, like, man, I kind of want to, I've been thinking about starting my own business or I've been at, I've been thinking about going for that raise or that promotion or that new job opportunity. I've been thinking of where is it that you need to step out in faith? Maybe it's just taking on more. Maybe it's asking for more. I don't know what it looks like for you. Where do I need to step out in faith? Hey, when it comes to likability, the question is this, is where can I bless and encourage others? Like you need to be the most friendly, kind, encouraging and likable person in your workplace. And if that's not your flow, look, just try to step in that direction as far as you can. And you need to to cultivate this idea called likability. It is the reflection of who God is. I don't know if you know this or not, but I, I really like God. Jesus was likable. There was an attractiveness to Jesus. Capacity. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. Am I improving myself daily, weekly, on an ongoing basis? Where am I growing? Where am I learning? Where am I stretching myself? What am I doing now that I wasn't doing six months ago, nine months ago? What area can I say, hey, this is where I've grown in these last six, nine, 12 months? We ought to be on a upward trajectory of growth because God's not done with you yet. If you're one of those guys that gets on the the job performance and be like, hey, man, I've been here 30 years and I ain't going to do it no different. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's not promotability reliability here's the question am i dependable because hey look if you're showing up late leaving early taking long lunches and then zoning out for hours at a time that's not reliability it's not dependability loyalty hey here's just a raw question I want: do you have a gossip issue is there an issue that says man i just love to dish it i love to be able to share information i love talking about the goods what does that say about what's in your heart then and you need to have a heart check there because god hates gossip lastly integrity big question am I a trustworthy person? Could somebody hand me the keys to the car, the numbers to the bank account, and know that guy won't flinch. That girl is so trustable. I could give her everything. I could put everything into his care. I'll just worry about what kind of sandwich I'm going to have. That's how trustworthy and dependable and reliable this guy is. I'll close with this. Really, when you look at the story, there's a unique theme. There's a phrase that's repeated over and over and over in the life of Joseph. And here's, here's the phrase. You can go look it up. It's, it's repeated. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. Because here's, here's the real deal. If, if, if you're here today and you don't even believe in God, if you go do these six things, your, your career will be better. But as a Christ follower, you have to believe something. You have to believe that God is with me. You have to believe that Joseph found favor with the Lord, that the Lord was with Joseph, and that God wants to be with me because our promotability is really this. It's when God's favor and my abilities converge. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to say, God, what, what's next for me? What, what's, what's in my future? What great things can you do through me? But on your end, you've got to ask yourself, how can I improve? How can I develop my skills? How can I increase my capacity and my talent and my potential and become a more faithful and dependable and trustworthy person? And when you do what it is that only you can do because God's not going to violate your will and force you to be a loyal person. I don't know if you ever thought about that. God's not going to violate your will and force you to be more likable. That's on you. But if you'll do what only you can do, I believe God will do what only he can do. And his favor and your abilities converge. And look what happened in the, life of, in the life of Joseph. He was able to stand before kings. He was able to make a national impact. I'm just telling you that God wants to do more in your life. Do you believe that today? Do you believe God wants to take you to, to higher heights, to, to, to further areas of growth and, and, and influence? What could God do in you and through you? Because I believe God wants to promote you in this life. Let's pray this morning. So Father, where? Holy Spirit, speak to us. God, where? In what way? As a mom, as a stay-at-home mom that works harder than most, where can I become a better mom? Where, where you business owner, where? Where can you be a better manager, a better owner, a better steward of what God has given you? For those of you who have... Like incredibly difficult coworkers, I I feel for you. How can you become more likable? How can you become the encourager? How can you become the one that blesses others? Is there something in your heart that doesn't belong there? Is there a duplicity? Is there a gossip thing? Is there something in your heart that doesn't belong? Holy Spirit, speak to us. Because God, we want to surrender our lives to you so that you can elevate us to make a kingdom difference. Father, this is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.